We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the week, uh, what is this, 11 edition of the Pro Football Focus Show here on Roto-Grinders. I am Britt Devine, joined by my man Ian Harditz. Uh, Ian, uh, sometimes, uh, at least for, for next week, a lot of the scheduling gets messed up. But we're, we're, we're on this Friday afternoon, day after Thanksgiving. I might have gained 10 or 15 pounds in, in one singular sitting from food, but we'll be back here Friday as usual next week. Uh, but we've got this week in front of us. Uh, looks to be fun DFS sports betting, etc. Uh, what's going on, dude? Great day, great week to be great as always, man. I don't think we even have buys next week, right? That's the catch there. So luckily, we are getting it spread out just a little bit on that Thursday. And I think you already asked if I would be back here for regular time next Friday. So we'll obviously have some updates before then. But yeah, man. In the meantime, week eleven already here. Don't quite have the weather elements to worry about like we thought we might, but still plenty of goodness to talk about. Yeah, the sports bucks. If you played at DraftKings and hit the over, you're good. If you hit the under, you're not. 
my local else. bookie, a, a local <laughs> freaking bookie screwed me, man. I'd understand if it was one of these big You're, sites. I we're not allowed to talk them, about but. that on 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 Airy, and there's no local bookies anymore. It's only Whatever. regulated sports betting in America. <laughs> Luckily, I'm able to uh, live in New York, uh, in Ohio, not so much. Soon, soon, soon. come soon. on, it's coming. Uh, so what we like to do every week here on this show, if you're new, like probably not, but we like to talk about Ian's article over at Pro Football Focus. It's the mismatch manifesto. He puts a bunch of statistics together of offense and defense, matches it all together into one article to find some big plays, running backs that can break free, um, teams that might be underrated in terms of EPA per play, et cetera, et cetera. We use it for DFS and sports betting. Let's get into this explosive plays. What's looking good this week? What's looking bad from your chart right here? If if Lamar Jackson can avoid the uh, diarrhea in the bathroom that he's going through right here, and, and if Mark Andrews maybe suits up, looks like he's in store for a good week. What else are we looking at? Yeah, Lamar gets sick more than any other freaking quarterback uh, I know, man. But, <laughs> hey, hopefully – I mean, Harbaugh has already said he's going to be out there starting, so that's good at least. At least in terms of the passing game, though, Lions, Texans, Broncos, Bills, and even the Falcons are the ones popping the most through the air. So we'll talk about, you know, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, if we can have anybody make the most out of some of these situations. What I will say with Kyle Pitts, though, it's actually turned a little bit from early on the season. He's had the volume that we would actually hope for. The bigger problem nowadays is just Marcus Mariota not being able to put the ball in his general, you know, zip code out there. So if you actually look at him on the year, he has the workload of the tight end seven in fantasy football. And I get it. We didn't draft him back in August, you know, to be the tight end seven. But really, he has been in terms of, you know, fantasy points below expectation the single either unluckiest or just not making the most out of his opportunities whatever you want to call him it has been Kyle Pitts this year but on the other side of things Rams Raiders Colts and Vikings not looking particularly set up well through the air uh, Prairie Yard King is uh, Mr. Kyle Pitts so far exactly. this year. So. Like, dude, the <laughs> fact he can't even like touch the ball, that's the thing. This guy came into the NFL and the stat everyone kept talking about. Biggest wingspan the last 20 years measured. He's not even getting a fingertip on these passes. Like, they aren't layups. I accept that. But the fact that he can't even turn them into 50-50 balls is the most infuriating part. I love the memes of where, where the Falcons franchise and we draft Kyle Pitts and Drake London in back-to-back -back years and then we never actually use them or get them the football. It's just, but, um, it's pretty actually kind of are trying to get him the ball but it's just been horrible man for a while it was i was trying to give arthur smith a little bit of credit because for the first eight nine weeks of the year they had a top 10 scoring offense and a lot of the other stats that we used to back up teams they were also in the top 10 for but lately man three of the last four games under 20 points out on arthur smith don't even get me started on the cordero patterson usage all right let's look at pace going on here it looks like there's a couple of games we actually might see Quite a few snaps. I see two in the blue under 60. Uh, if you count the uh, Kansas City game, that's a third. Uh, let's talk uh, Philadelphia at Indy. I got a bet for that coming up in a little bit here. And Dallas at Minnesota. I uh, haven't made a bet on that one. I Maybe I like the Dallas side on uh, over there. But what are we looking at in terms of pace this week? This Eagles-Colts game is interesting, and obviously, you know, with Philly, we're feeling good about their offense each and every week. Why wouldn't we? But taking Dallas Goddard out of the equation, I do think both A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith could have a nice little higher target floor than we're used to seeing moving forward. And even on the other side of the ball, man, you look at how Philly has been struggling on defense over the past two weeks, and it's been because of their run defense without behemoth Jordan Davis over there in the middle. He's remaining on IR. They've been really getting pounded 
by Damian Pierce, by Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson. So if there is a team that's going to go out there and trust giving their running back to rock 20 or 30 times, we do know it's the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. So love Jonathan Taylor and GPPs. And honestly, man, this passing game of Matt Ryan in it, we can get behind it specifically with Paris Campbell. Three straight top 12 finishes with Matt Ryan under center. I think he continues to be a bargain over here on DraftKings. The other matchup is Cowboys against the Vikings. And we'll get to our bets, but it's a similar thing, man. The Cowboys and Eagles both have awesome defenses that are much better against the pass than the run. They should be. It's 2022, but they're facing pretty unique opponents in the Colts and the Vikings that sometimes are willing to give their stud running back those 20-plus carries that a lot of other teams wouldn't be willing to invest in. So I think Dalvin Cook and Jonathan Taylor probably not getting you know the same amount of attention they would maybe on other slates, but I do think their status as home dogs here might be pretty exploitable over there with the old game spreads. All right, any games that are slow, it looks like the Rams at New Orleans. Outside of Alvin Kamara, that game is just fantasy dust, and I don't even know if I can – Bring myself to use him right now. Uh, the Washington Houston one's interesting. Uh, probably going to see a lot of run running in that game. Do you think, you know, between Pierce? I know Washington can be a little tough to run on, but Pierce has been good enough where he might be able to get it done. And you know, Washington's going to have to come in there, especially after doing that to Philadelphia, and want to give the like what run forty run plays in this game. You think that's going to be enough to maybe limit, maybe more so in a tournament, some of these guys in that game? Look, Pierce, I believe it's seven games this year with 20-plus touches. Like, they find a way to get him the ball no matter what. The problem is, life in this Houston offense, he has one touchdown in the last four weeks. It's not because he sucks. I mean, the dude has five carries inside the five-yard line all season long. So, as good as Damian Pierce is, the Houston Texans offense is also that bad. So, I'm actually more interested in going way cheaper down to Brian Robinson. I mean, this Texans defense has been as bad as the offense this year. The Texans, so far, have played nine games. They have allowed that week's overall RB one or RB2 five separate times. So look, I think Antonio Gibson's better than Brian Robinson. You probably do too. Guess who does it? Ron Rivera. So 20 plus touches for a running back at just 5.3K. I know we're not getting many receptions, but hey, falls falling into the end zone a couple times against this D, I would not be surprised. All right, let's look at pressure rate. Anything standing out from an offense or defensive perspective? Yeah, lots of pressure. Looking like it's going to be headed towards Andy Dalton, Baker Mayfield, and Joe Burrow. Obviously, with TJ Watt back, that could be um, accentuated as well. But we'll talk a little more about that Bengals passing game later in terms of just having all day. Or actually, no, I'm sorry. That's looking good for uh, Joe Burrow and company, not having too much pressure on them. So I'm messing that up. It could be a little bit tougher for him, though, moving forward. Now that TJ Watt is back with the Steelers. Quarterbacks that should be under lots of pressure. Davis Mills, Kirk Cousins, Zach Wilson, and Taylor Heineke. So Zach Wilson thing is interesting because he has been the most impacted quarterback by pressure in the league in terms of the drop-off in yards per attempt when kept clean versus when under pressure. And I know he put up some decent counting stats, actually, in, in you know more or less garbage time against his Patriots defense only a few weeks ago. But man, I just still think that, you know, it's asking a lot in this one. So I do think that if you are going to be paying up for a defense this week, might not be a bad idea to go to a home Patriots group facing a still awfully erratic Zach Wilson. All right. Yards before contact. Uh, this is running backs that uh, can get plenty of yards before they are touched by a defender or perhaps get taken down behind the line of scrimmage. We don't want to see that if that's the running back we're choosing to use or take a prop on. Uh, looks like, uh, what do we got here? Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift's probably still not going to see too many touches. So that's more of the Jamal Williams. Buffalo, that's maybe Josh Allen indoors. Baltimore, what are we going to do there? Everything, what I'm trying to get at, Ian, all the great spots, they're all toss-ups or, or, or things we're not all too interested in. So what are your takeaways here? 
I do think that the Gus Edwards play could be interesting. We'll see what Harbaugh ends up saying. I know Mark Andrews just got dubbed as pretty much a game day decision for Baltimore, and he's kind of been grouped with Gus Edwards. So if there is going to be a good amount of, you know, hesitation or risk in Gus Edwards' overall touch count, maybe we'll get off that play. But I just think that we have a guy in Deontay Foreman in the same game, 400 bucks more, who's also not going to catch passes, who we're hoping is probably going to make the most out of 15, 20 carries. But I'm far more confident in Gus Edwards actually having that role come to fruition if he's going to be active I mean the Ravens are 12 and a half point favorites out here and if you look at Deontay Foreman's three big games this year they've come in two double digit wins for the Panthers and that back and forth overtime affair against the Falcons so yeah you give Deontay Foreman you know 20 25 carries and a positive game script he's going to go do great things with it does not seem like those are the sort of game conditions we should be expecting though in Baltimore especially when you put Baker Mayfield back under center instead of PJ Walker so I do think as a nice pivot off of uh not overly chalky but I still think I'll have a decent amount of ownership in the Deontay Foreman going the other side of the ball in the far better offensive environment with the far better game script and Gus Edwards. If he's out there, could be a good call. And that also applies to Kenyon Drake if we're going to see Gus Edwards unfortunately have to miss this one. All right, finishing up. Uh, actually, no, there's two things. Uh, combined yards for drop back quarterbacks that uh, might be able to move the ball down the field. Easy. Uh, Josh Allen's in a good spot. Uh, no one's going to be playing him in DFS. That sounds a little interesting. If you can take on uh, what little risk he, uh, I believe he might have with his elbow, uh, what else is standing out to you? That's the thing, man. Like Josh Allen has his three game, you know, bad stretch or whatever. He's still been to QB three, QB three and QB 11 in fantasy land. So his floor really is the roof. You know, when we're talking about what he can do in fantasy football and this Browns defense, man, they've been getting a pass for whatever reason. I think people still try to blame Jacoby Brissett more than anything for the problems, but it's been a top 10 offense this season for the Browns in terms of scoring. Now their defense is the second worst units in the league in both scoring and EPA allowed per play. So I know miles Garrett has been playing banged up. Denzel Ward missed a chunk of time with the concussion, but man, it just has not been a group that deserves the benefit of the doubt, and they definitely don't against the Bills as well. So all about attacking that Buffalo passing game. On the other side of things, Colts, Raiders, and Steelers not exactly standing out. I will say, though, with this Bengals team, because I've talked on here for a couple weeks now about just how tough of a start it was for Kenny Pickett and the Steelers offense. I mean, coming in at halftime against the Jets, then we go into Buffalo, and then we're facing the Buccaneers. He gets concussed, and there are two games before the bye. We're in Miami and in Philly. So I do think that we could see better days ahead from Pickett and from his talented group of pass catchers. I mean, Deontay Pickens and Fryermuth, those are three quality receivers right there. And if you just look at Cincinnati this year, I mean, here are the quarterbacks that they've had the, you know, pleasure of shutting down. Mitch Trubisky, Cooper Rush, Joe Flacco, Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson, uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Tua who got hurt. Lamar Jackson, okay, fair play. Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, Jacoby Brissett, and uh, freaking PJ Walker slash Baker Mayfield. They haven't really played anyone, man, and we're sitting here in week 11. So when I see the Cincinnati, you know, pass defense statistics telling us that they're one of the better units against wide receivers, I really don't buy it after going through the schedule and considering they lost number one cornerback Chidobia Wuzier for the uh, season about a month ago. So I do think it's the different matches than what we saw in week one. I don't think that Eli Apple and company can really match up with Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. I'm going back to well with those Steelers wide receivers. The boom is coming, Britt. I can feel it. I know uh, Deontay Johnson's line was like 50 and a half or something like that. I think I saw in the sports books. I, uh, maybe I'll have to go put a little bet on that one. Uh, anyway, EPA per play. Anything standing out this week? Uh, it looks, let's see, Buffalo... I don't know. Tell me, tell me what you see here. I do have a bet on the Giants. They look uh, supremely better than the Lions currently, at least in terms of EPA per play, and just a three-point dog at home. I'll talk about that one in just a second. 
Uh, but what else is really standing out to you? Yeah, that was one of the bigger ones in favor of the Giants, the Ravens, the Bills are also getting those sort of, you know, bumps ahead of their competition. The only, usually we have two or three, you know, basically teams that have a relative offensive advantage in the EPA per play, but are still underdogs. Only one this week, and those are going to be your road Chicago Bears plus three dogs against the Falcons. So I like the over more than anything. I mean, it has been quite some time since we've seen, uh, you know, the Bears actually go out there and be able to actually come away with the win, despite, you know, all of Justin Fields' impressive performance is like just a best case tank drop going on right now uh, with what they're able to pull off in Chicago. So Bears maybe sprinkling a little bit on plus three, but again, probably don't trust that defense and honestly the passing game enough to be overly confident in it. Yeah, if the Bears spend correctly in the offseason and they continue to tank with a bad team outside of Justin Fields, they might actually be set up pretty good next year uh, if you sort of take a look at everything. Hey, that. I'm just happy that, you know, despite their best efforts, Fields was able to show them, like, what he can actually be capable of doing out there. I mean, it's just, again, they add Claypool at the trade deadline. It's like, oh, yeah, like, he's proven that he deserves to have, like, some other pieces around him. Like, I don't know, because you have not, like, made just anything, any other move to help the guy before them. But, hey, maybe Claypool will actually start getting used uh, at some point. He actually had fewer snaps and routes last week than he did in his debut. Got to get Byron Pringle out there when you can, Britt. Yeah. Next bye week, they'll study that Baltimore Ravens playbook a little bit more and try to figure out <laughs> what they what they could steal from that to let Justin Fields run wild. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for uh, the Mismatch Manifesto section of this show. Uh, if you want to read it uh, in depth, you can go over to Pro Football Focus. You do need a subscription to do it. It is relatively cheap over there to get access to this and a plethora of millions of other things that you can use for either DFS or sports betting. Uh, all right, speaking of sports betting, uh, let's start off with, oh, the, the props are going really good for me. The totals, I blanked on the spreads and totals last week, so I got to come back strong in this one. I've got three. I mentioned, I guess I'll start. I just mentioned the Giants, minus three at home against the Lions. I know the Lions are getting, I think they're going to get DJ Shark back. But the, Gi the Giants' defense is light years better than the Lions' defense. And the Giants, the New York Saquon Barkleys, they just they're, – they're, Saquon is a threat to touch the ball 30-plus times in every game. He's, he's a great uh, contrarian play in DFS this week. I think you can take his props pretty safely, even if it's approaching 100 yards on the ground. This is what they're doing on the offense. The Lions can't seem to stop anybody. It didn't work last week. I took the Bears, the out, the indoor team going outdoors on the road. I'm trying it again. Uh, I'm going with the Giants. And I think this time uh, I got Brian Dable uh, backing me up on this one. So I love the Giants at home this week. The other two bets I have, they're a little, they're a little off the board because uh, I don't really like too many of the totals or the spreads. I did get that Atlanta uh, Bears total when it opened. At, I think I got it at over 48, and I think it's been bet up now, so I don't have that on here. Uh, but there are some other ones you want to talk about. You've got a plethora here. Let's go through them. Yeah, I'm even as well, 14 and 14. I've been throwing a few more out per week than yourself at the end of the day, both 500. So let's see if we can get some good ones here. Already mentioned before some of my concerns with, you know, just I think, you know, styles make fights. And I think that the Colts and the Vikings are pretty well situated at home to take advantage of these Cowboys and Eagles defenses that, yes, are very good. But again, the Eagles, they are dead last in EPA allowed per run play this season. Like They have not really been this overly good run defense. Five straight games with over 120 rushing yards allowed, and they've you know allowed the Texans and Commanders to go for 168 and 152 over the past two weeks. So, again, 
full touchdown favorite on the road. I just think with Matt Ryan out there, it does stabilize the offense, give them a higher floor than whatever the hell the Sam Ellinger experience was for a couple of weeks there. Banged up Eagles passing game with Dallas Goddard out of the picture. They're playing on a short week coming off of Monday Night Football. Devon are banged up you know i won't take the colts to win necessarily but i do think they can keep it close enough to cover there and again similar sentiment with the cowboys and vikings here where i just think dalvin cook against micah parsons and this cowboys uh, offense they're going to be able to i think cause them a few problems because again just hasn't been a situation in Dallas where they've been all that good against the ground game all season long. So pulling up my handy dandy stats now, but yes, the Cowboys this year, 24th yards per carry 28th and explosive run play rate allowed. I mean, look, Aaron Jones went for a buck 30 Leonard Fournette went for a buck 27 against these guys. I think Dalvin cook gives them a good chance to control the game. And the, we know they always got that upside with Justin Jefferson on the outside. Also pair of overs. I've mentioned before why I think the Bengals defense a little bit fraudulent, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense really throughout this whole year hasn't been overly impressive so they are getting healthy but 40.5 game total i just think that joe burrow against any defense is going to have a good chance of putting up you know his 30 points per game or so and then again talking about how potentially this Bengals secondary is a little bit overrated i think this uh, game total could be quite a bit higher no weather concerns this week in pittsburgh and finally that bears falcons over we've gone to it two or three straight weeks now ever since fields started looking good and they got rid of robert quinn and roquan smith on what was already a bad defense so not, not been broke for it. Let's not fix it. Bears, Falcons, over 49 and a half. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, I'm going to, so the other two bets I have are first half bets. I'm getting a little uh, okay. crazy because I don't I don't love a lot of the spreads. And uh, some of the, I mentioned I got that over on the Atlanta game at 48 and a half. Uh, but I'm going to the first half on that game here. So I'm going to over 24 in the first half on the Bears, Falcons. Uh, since Fields has been unleashed, they're, the, the total in this has been over in three of the four games. And the great thing is both of these teams, they are the top two points allowed teams in the first half. So the Bears are already doing this. I think the Falcons, anybody can move the ball uh, against this Bears defense right now. The Bears offense, good enough to move it against the Falcons defense. Taking 24 and a half, or, or it's at 24, first half on the Bears Falcons. Get that one in. And the other one, this is a perfect, uh, what are the Eagles? Eight and one now, I believe, or something like that. Uh, this is the perfect nine and oh in Ooh. Eagles games uh, over 13 and a half points for the Eagles in the first half of games. They've done it every game this year. I'm going right back to it. The Colts fit a nice target. They're allowing 12 and a half points per game in the first half this season. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just keep betting the Eagles over 13 and a half. They're in a dome. And I know they're going to be without Goddard, but this offense is still good enough. Hertz is explosive enough. AJ Brown and Devontae Smith are going to go nuts. You got Miles Sanders being able to run the ball. I think they can get that. Uh, no, well, maybe not no problem. 14 and a half is a pretty tall task. You basically need two touchdowns or a touchdown and like three field goals. Which that's pretty, that's a taller task, I think, than two touchdowns. But the Eagles are good enough to get 13 and a half. It's happened every game this year, going right back to it again in the first half. So I got Giants minus three as a main spread. Eagles over 13 and a half in the first half. And Bears Falcons game over 24 in the first half for my three bets this week. Uh, all right, let's move to the props. I've got two. Hold your nose and click the over. One of them actually isn't because the one is just so good. I've, I put a whole bunch of units on, on one of them that I got to talk about. But I'm going double Denver on my props. I'll save the suspense. I'll let you talk about a few of your props first. I've hit. Uh, so I played, you've got three props here. When I saw you writing them up, 
I went and hit two of them because they look real good. I'm hoping for the Dalton Schultz luck from last week, Ian. Uh, the Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell ones, I bet, as soon as you were typing them in. Yeah, Dalton, that was nice to see that one hit. And I think we got two more pretty quality ones this week where, once again, I'm looking for new situations under center usually. I mean, we talked about why Dalton Schultz's line was more so looking at his entire season versus just with Dak Prescott back. And I think we have another two we can take advantage of right here. First up is Terry McLaurin, over 59 and a half receiving yards, pretty much even odds. I mean, minus 115 over at Caesars. So what's funky about this one is his average, even the whole season, even with Carson Wentz, is 73.7 so we're already going down almost 14 entire yards from what the dude is straight up average this year he's cleared this mark in six of 10 games and specifically with Heineke 73 113 56 and 128 so three instances of easily clearing that mark only one dud and that dud was only three yards away from pretty much getting there as well so I already love this matchup against the Houston Texans again their run defense is sometimes bad enough that teams don't really need to throw the ball against them but in this matchup specifically number one cornerback and their number three overall pick of the 2022 NFL draft, Derek Stingley Jr., fully expecting him to shadow Terry McLaurin. That's what he has been doing all season long for the Texans. And I try to get – I think Stingley's out. I know he's questionable with the hamstring injury, but I'm saying even before he got ruled out, like this was a matchup I liked because he's only shadowed four guys this year. Cortland Sutton, 122 yards. Mike Williams, 120 yards. Devontae Adams, 95 yards. A.J. Brown, only 59 yards and a touchdown. Meanwhile, Terry McLaurin has just been, you know, the freaking shadow master lately because every single guy he has faced off with in shadow coverage, Darius Slade, Jair Alexander, Stephon Gilmore, Jeffrey Akuda, Christian Fulton from the Titans. I mean, we have six examples there because he played Slade twice. Every single time he gained at least 73 passing yards. So I think this line could honestly be 69 and a half. We can still be having a lot of, you know, talks about taking the over at 59 and a half, where again, it's a cornerback that I don't think could really check him in the first place. And now he's either going to be out or playing through a hamstring injury, even better. So love that Terry over. The other over I do love is a Paris Campbell over 38 and a half receiving yards. Again, this is closer to Dalton Schultz line of reasoning, where I think they're pretty much just looking at his season total. 37.3. But if you look at the last three games with Matt Ryan under center, it has been a usage change. 9, 12, and 11 targets have, produced, have helped produce receiving totals of 76, 70, and 67 yards. Again, only 38 and a half. So I think he's going to avoid Darius Slay and James Bradbury on the outside. We've seen far more success against this Eagles defense from receivers aligned out of the slot, and that should be Paris Campbell more times than not this Sunday. Final note is going to be Tyler Boyd, plus 175 to score a touchdown on FanDuel. I thought he had one against the Panthers before the bye. I don't think Joe Mixon's going to score five touchdowns every single week he goes out there. Tyler Boyd has scored in two of his last three against the Steelers. So even going back like five years ago, I mean, the Keenan Allen game where Steelers, you know, kept covering him with a linebacker every freaking play out there in their defense, especially ever since Mike Houghton left too, just hasn't been a great group against slot receivers. I think with Jamar Chase still out of the picture, we see Tyler Boyd find the end zone. Uh, and all that Joe Mixon regression. One game. So he got it out of his system for all those touchdowns he was Back to, to normal score. now. <laughs> uh, all right. So my two gross props. Uh, I like. I love both of these. Uh, I'm double Broncos. So hold your nose here. The first one's Melvin Gordon over nine and a half receiving yards. I don't understand. I literally don't know why this is too low. Roto Grinders, we have them projected for 25. The Blitz has them around 20. And uh, the only – so in his four of his last five, He's, he's hit this. And the only one he missed was that strange game where his coaches just like decided not to play him. That's obviously 
not happening anymore. He's getting there. And then of the four of the five that he's gone over, his lowest is 17 yards. So right when he's clearing it, he's going over it all the time. He's had at least four targets in three straight games. Uh, I don't think Jerry Judy's going to play. The Raiders stink. They're allowing the highest success rate in the league on passes to running backs. That's like, what, one reception for Melvin Gordon possibly on this? If you're looking for a successful play and he's catching three or four a week, uh, I think Gordon over nine and a half. This is my number one prop of the week. Um, if you play like one unit on a prop, I would go two. I put a whole bunch of units on this one because I think this prop is really good. I uh, love the Melvin Gordon one. And the other one is uh, Russell Wilson over 225 and a half pass yards. And this is this is literally my write-up on scores and odds this week. You ready for this? So uh, Russ has graduated from cooking at your local elementary cafeteria uh, to working the line at Olive Garden. So like it, it's good, but it's not great, right? He's not the five-star chef. Uh, he's going to hit this. Every quarterback has passed for at least 222 yards against the Raiders. This line is 225. So if every quarterback's gone for 222, we're basically there. And Russell already hit this once this year against the Raiders. Uh, I don't care if Judy doesn't suit up. Kendall Hinton quarterback slash wide receiver. Cortland Sutton's going to go hand. I like Sutton's over two. If you're looking for another one, I just like the Melvin Gordon one a little better. I think Sutton's at 60 and a half. Oh yeah. Russ, Russ is definitely doing it. Uh, so don't, don't fight me on that one. Uh, I see you in there. Uh, yeah. Uh, love Russ at 225. He's going over uh, the lines too low. Hold your nose, play some Broncos, count the money at the end of the week. I will say with Gordon looking at last week, I mean, he did out of, let's see, the entire backfield ran 48 routes and he had 28 of those. So he really is cemented as the pass down back. That, that'd be the only hole I'd see in that brick because I hear you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most, when you shave with Harry's. 
Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Yeah, but sometimes, you know, you have these guys just making the most out of five, five routes out there, and that is not the case with Melvin. So good calls by you. Yeah, so uh, we got the gridiron IQ, a uh, little PFF. I looked all that up. Uh, Gordon, Gordon's going over nine and a half. One, one reception, 10 yards, then no negative screen. We'll call it a, we'll call that a win for sure. Uh, all right, so that's going to do it for the props. I am 17 and eight on props that I've mentioned on the show this year. So just keep that in mind. I like both of these. Hopefully that is 19 and eight by the time next week comes around. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the DFS section uh, for this week's show here. There's uh, a lot going on. Uh, we generally talk DraftKings. And uh, everyone has been talking on Twitter how all the wide receivers, everyone's too expensive. And it makes you make some suboptimal decisions for your lineups. Great. Uh, that, sound, that sounds like a fun DFS site to play for me. I don't want to be able to play all the best plays all the time. So I like it. When, oh, I can't stack Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and Gabe Davis and run it back with Amari. Of course, you shouldn't be able to do that, right? So I'm okay with DraftKings having tighter pricing. And they've moved up some guys, maybe not enough, at least at the quarterback position. Justin Fields, I mean, what does he have to do to not be ranked if not as high as Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts, like up there. So I think he's a little bit too cheap. And then you've got like, I think Dak Prescott, this Cowboys offense, if you can't get fields, if you can't get Josh Allen or Hurts, I think Dak looks pretty good from saving even a couple more dollars going up against Minnesota. Minnesota has given up a bajillion fantasy points to wide receivers. There's this guy, CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup, and we know Schultz can get in there. Pollard's great. Zeke, and eh, maybe Zeke's going to slow the offense down when he's in there getting his runs. But a healthy Zeke, I think, is better than a hobbled Zeke. So hopefully Zeke doesn't screw up what the Cowboys have going. But I think Dak fits in there. But Fields and Dak are probably my guys. I don't know if I can trust. If you go to Marcus Mariota, you can get some of the actual skill position players you want. But I don't know. I don't know if I can pull off the Marcus Mariota in cash to be able to get those guys in there. I want the ability to have 30 plus fantasy points from my quarterback position. And I'm just not sure Marcus Mariota gives that. So I'm more in the fields, Dak range. You could certainly go up to Allen in a dome or Jalen Hurts on a bounce back week, also in a dome. But with how tight the pricing is on DraftKings, I think that just hurts it a little bit from a cash game perspective. Remember an entire uh, week before Zeke got hurt and he took 13 carries for 81 yards against the Eagles and Pollard had 11 for 44. Like this whole freaking thing, man, just the Cowboys have been such a good team all year. And it comes down to this like backfield usage. Like, come on, you want to keep both guys fresh and Zeke. Yes, I understand. Pollard has been more efficient. And I'll even say that Pollard has been the better overall running back with the ball in his hands. But my God, man, look at pull up any stat you want Pollard. And he's going to be a top five running back in the entire league. So, so I just hate how every single time we got to go into Pollard, it always has to be slandering Zeke. We'd be having this conversation if Pollard played for all other 31 teams in the NFL as well. But whatever, we'll save the rest of that rant for another day. I do think in cash, you know, I, I want to get all the way up to Josh Allen, man. I just don't see enough of a reason to really be paying down a quarterback this week. I mean, just the idea of going to a Heineke or Mariota is pretty gross. Okay, if you do want to go into the middle stretch, that's fine. But I do think there is enough room to save money because a lot of the running backs and wide receivers that are, you know, looking like especially chalky and have some upside. I don't think you even need to get over into the 7K plus range other than Stefan Diggs. So I do want to be stacking here. So I'm 
confident, at least enough right now, having, you know, the 2.3K Steelers D, having a certain uh, Stone Cold Mint Price Jack Stoll over there at tight end, confident enough at the moment to be able to get that Allen Diggs stack in there in cash. Uh, what about from a turnover perspective? So I think most people are going to be saving a little bit of money anywhere they can. Quarterback, right? We have Fields, Dak, and a couple of the other cheaper guys you mentioned. I think Hertz and Allen are the GPP source for sure because – you know, if you're playing Allen with Diggs, you're definitely not getting some of the other plays everyone else wants to use, right, in a tournament this week. And if you're playing Hurts to A.J. Brown, you're also not getting everybody else that you want to use this week. So those are the guys. We have them projected. We have Josh Allen at 5% owned. We're recording this on Friday for those that might listen over the weekend. We've got Hurts, 5.5%. Josh Allen, sub-5%. These look like ultimate tournament plays. we got to see where it shakes out come Sunday morning when the ownership really comes into focus. But as it stands right now, that looks like the way to be contrarian. Well, I mean, the upside you can get from some of those is enormous. Yeah. And I got another one in that same range. Uh, it's kind of going off a similar mindset as you. I'm just going down an extra $100 or two from uh, actually – and what is he? Oh, he's 200 more expensive than Dak Prescott. I got my stuff sorted wrong. But Joe Burrow, we know the man has overall QB1 upside. In fact, in his last, let's see, 11 starts in the regular season, he's had four separate overall QB1 finishes. So I understand we did have, you know, that dud of a Browns game before the bye. And then we saw him not have the biggest performance against the Panthers because Joe Mixon had to go hog all those touchdowns by himself. But man, oh man, Joe Burrow, just someone that, again, looking back, I've always been able to do this year. I know Jamar Chase out of the picture but still not completely sold on these Steelers cornerbacks even though getting Fitzpatrick back is nice so with Burrow like we're not seeing Tyler Boyd or T Higgins be particularly chalky everyone wants to get up to go uh, find Joe Mixon again so going to again the passing games of some of the chalkier running backs always an easy way to differentiate those lineups and tournaments all right to the running back position let's sort of like dice this out here who would be your two favorites I'm pulling just looking at Roto-Grinders projected ownership we've got us for DraftKings. damian pierce right at 6500 he's been rock solid we've got Ramondre stevenson at 6700 then we've got joe mixon devin singletary david montgomery josh jacobs so like out of all those names they're all i mean within a you know a thousand dollar tier or so of each other outside of singletary who's a little bit cheaper who the guy, like, if you had one running back, you had to absolutely play in cash this week. I don't think there is one in my mind, but I guess I'll ask you first. Who would be your guy? I don't have one that, yeah, again, I think is like tears ahead of the others. I will take Ramondre just for that pass down role. I mean, he's the top nine running back in the league and fantasy points per game from purely receiving production. And just to see him again, be his home favorite against the Jets. I think everything is lining up best for him coming off the bye. I do think Ramondre Stevenson deserves to be featured and he will continue to be, I mean, second highest graded PFF receiving back this year behind only Christian McCaffrey himself. So awesome stuff from Ramondre Stevenson. And even with Damian Harris, back like we saw Harris back and Ramondre not only keep the pass down role actually out carried Damian as well so honestly the only concern that we could ever have about Ramondre don't laugh it was real would be Ty Montgomery coming back from IR because he had the pass down role in week one got confirmed though that he is out for the rest of the season so Ramondre wheels up top eight running back on the year and expected PPR points per game he continues to be treated like an RB2 even though he has a true RB1 workload but Damian Pierce man like look again he's great and efficient 
him, but one touchdown over the past four weeks. And those four weeks combined, he's only caught nine passes out there. I just think on a full PPR site like DraftKings, I don't feel the need to go up and get Damian Pierce, who might be a little bit more efficient on the ground. But I'll go down to someone like David Montgomery, who I think both has more upside in the passing game and honestly more scoring upside in the Bears offense that we've seen be way better than the Texans this year. No Khalil Herbert in the picture. Now all of a sudden we're looking at Montgomery having this sort of 80-90% snap roll that just hasn't really been there for him as long as Khalil Herbert has been there to take away a bunch of those carries in particular. So Dave Montgomery and Ramondre Stevenson are where I'm looking right now for cash. All right. A couple other guys you might want to consider. Joe Mixon, of course, against Pittsburgh. Do you like him getting in this every touch role reasonably priced? I think he's fine. Uh, I want to talk to you on Josh Jacobs, who he had a big game against Denver earlier in the year, and he's getting all the running work and all the passing work. They, Denver shut down Derrick Henry. Is there any reason to move away from a guy like Josh Jacobs? I mean, he did it once already. He's the true workhorse role. And this is, you know, there, like league is, it, it's if you're a good running back and a, a team that can run, you have a huge advantage right now because all, all these teams are made to stop the pass. And if you're able to run, we saw this with Washington against Philadelphia. Teams just have no, they can't, they, there's no answer for you. It's really strange. Every team went to go to the coverage, the three, the four to stop Mahomes and Josh Allen. And now if you're able to run the football, you can just win games running the football. Now the, the offense has the advantage, at least in, in that, in that form right now, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't want to crown the Bengals as like this just bludgeoning, awesome running football team, though. Yeah, last week and two weeks ago before the bye was fantastic, but I mean, even that performance couldn't get Mixon above four yards per carry on the season. Let's not forget that this was probably the most disappointing running back in all fantasy in weeks one through eight. So as awesome as week nine was, no, I don't think that Joe Mixon is all of a sudden this locked-in, sure thing of a fantasy asset. And the same thing, honestly, with Josh Jacobs. Both the Raiders and the Bengals' offenses have been you know, really the only consistency about their offenses has been the general inconsistency that has been plaguing them at times. Obviously far worse with the Raiders and what we've seen with the Bengals still able to put up some big numbers more weeks than not. But I don't see that big of a difference between the roles of Jacobs, Mixon, Stevenson, and Montgomery now without Herbert in the picture. I think all these guys are pretty much three down, 70% snap, a workhorse running back. So I'll take the two cheaper ones. All right. If you're looking for a tournament spent up on Saquon Barkley, currently projected to be about 10% own in these large field tournaments. Uh, I think if you're looking for a running back with the single highest touch floor, uh, it's got to be Saquon Barkley this week, in my opinion. So I absolutely love him from a tournament perspective, along with insert Washington running back. I don't care which one from a tournament, both these guys sub 10%, uh, Gibson nine, Robinson seven, pick one. Uh, I think they're, you know, if Washington's smart, and you have the thought of rational coaching in the NFL, you should see this every once in a while. They should run the ball 40-plus times against Houston unless Houston gets out to a big lead. That's what every team is doing against them. Nope, they haven't been able to stop anybody. Washington's got a good enough team to do that, so throw one of those guys into your tournament lineup and, and enjoy it. Yeah, I think with so much of the ownership concentrated at, you know, pretty much Jacobs to kind of David Montgomery, you could argue down to Devin Singletary, but going up just above that range is going to naturally give you some lower owned guys. So already talked a lot about how Jonathan Taylor and Dalvin Cook set up better than expected against Cowboys and Eagles defenses that just haven't been nearly as good against the run this year. So I do like Cook and Taylor. If I had to pick one of them, I would probably say Dalvin Cook. I mean, he's looked good out there. He had the 80-yard touchdown run last week. And I remember a couple of weeks ago, 
you can check out my weekly running back article on pff.com out every single Wednesday. But just looking at Dalvin, I ran his, you know, PFF rushing grade, yards per carry, missed tackles for us, pretty much all the kind of group of stats I'd like to evaluate running backs with. And you can argue this is the most efficient version of him yet. So Alexander Madison earlier in the year was taken maybe a little more work than we were hoping for, but not these days. It's gone all the way back to Dalvin Cook. I think he could blow up against the Cowboys defense that has been exploited on the ground. Only need to go back to that Green Bay game to see what Aaron Jones did to the group. So I like that idea of paying up or paying back down. So talked earlier about Gus Edwards if he is going to be out there he's cheaper Deontay Foreman with lower ownership in the same game but he is actually the 12 point 12 and a half point favorite that we actually expect to have the game script that we're hoping for and the other guy that I'm just surprised isn't getting more love Brian Robinson at 5.3k I don't think he's good at football but the Washington Commanders continue to give him 20 plus touches per game and if we can have a favorite at 5.3k on DraftKings set to see 20 touches a game against again one of the worst defenses in all of football against running backs I'll take that eight days a week. So that's your salary saver right there with Brian Robinson. Cause once you get below that, I mean, I guess you could argue Kareem hunt, but he's just been bad this year. And the workload isn't fantastic either. I think again, getting gross and as cheap as you can to reasonably expect someone to get 15 plus touches is Brian Robinson to a lesser extent, Kareem hunt. All right. So at the wide receiver position, let's move to that one. I know you love Stefan Diggs. I'll let you talk about him in just a second. I'm going to play a little this guy or that guy. And maybe the answer is all of them, but maybe you can't fit all of them onto your team here. So these are uh, Amon Ross St. Brown or CeeDee Lamb. St. Brown is 7,200. CeeDee Lamb is 7,500. Who you got between the two this week if you had a pick one? Uh, Amonra St. Brown. I mean, CD, I think has probably the higher ceiling, but especially on full PPR, man, I just don't know how you can get away from Amonra St. Brown at this point. Cowboys have other like options to go to with the football, but even if Chark is back, man, like just not using Swift, not having Hawkinson out there. I mean, last 12 games Amonra has had without, you know, an injury occurring here is targets. 12, 12, 11, 11, 11, 10, 12, 12, 9, 10, 9, and 11. Give me the sun God. Uh, all right. The other one is your boy, Terry McLaurin or Cortland Sutton Sands, Jerry Judy, if he's out. Give me the one that we're actually certain is good at football. I mean, at this point with Cortland Sutton, like, okay, he had 66 yards last week and that was a breath of fresh air because he had 50 scoreless yards in the previous month combined. Terry McLaurin continue to go out there. Every single thing we talked about with the player props. That's why I love Terry this week. Cash, GPP, whatever. Definitely thinking he's going to get over 70 with ease. All right. So I think all four of those guys are sort of in that mid tier of that cash game discussion. So I wanted to break that down. Uh, let's talk about a couple other guys you might be interested in anywhere along the price range. Again, if you want to try to get Allen and Diggs, you have to make some sacrifices and wide receiver really is that spot. So Nico Collins just at 4,100. He's pretty much the cheapest wide receiver we're going to find with a reasonable role and honestly a good enough matchup against a Washington secondary that has been a bit exploitable. Obviously did a good job against Jalen Hurts though last Monday night, but Nico Collins just 4,100 getting a little bit of ownership love for a reason. You can also check out Garrett Wilson, 4.9K, Donovan Peoples-Jones, 4.6K, 50 plus yards in six straights, 70 plus yards in five of those six games. We do not have Tredavious White coming back yet. So I believe Jordan Poyer is out again too. So this Bills defense, I'm not saying the Browns are an elite passing game, but we have seen them yield some yards to a little bit better passing attacks. I mean, Kirk Cousins went for like 350 last week. So wouldn't be surprised at all if we can see DPJ and even Amari Cooper as a tournament play uh, get going here. 
Final note would just be uh, Jacoby Myers. I believe he's in that 5K range. Yeah, Jacoby Myers, 5.5K. He's the wide receiver 15 in PPR points for game this season, but we just don't talk about him because he's Jacoby Myers. Same amount of PPR points for game as Mike Evans and Mike Williams, but he's Jacoby Myers. So scored against this group last time out, had a wide receiver one finish. And guess what? He's not going to see Sauce Gardner because he sticks to the outside and Jacoby's from the friendly confines of the slot. So I'm with you. I think St. Brown, Lamb, you know, Terry, those are the top guys if you want to pay up for it. But if you want to pay down, I do think Nico, Jacoby, Garrett Wilson, and Donovan Peoples-Jones, the poor man's version of the guys you're talking about. What about Paris Campbell? I know we like the prop on him. You want him or Nico? Where is Paris at? 4.3. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's close. I'd probably actually lean Paris if you can get the extra 200 bucks, which shouldn't, which shouldn't seem that hard. The thing with Paris, man, he does have that, you know, role that we've seen Curtis Samuel uh, really do a good job with former Ohio state teammate. And, you know, the kind of role we hoped that Wandale Robinson was going to have more in New York. When you have that low dot, like we almost say like a bad thing, but to me, it just lowers your floor and what has been an inconsistent passing game. So I take Campbell over Nico actually good, good uh, call out. All right, and I just saw Jerry Judy practicing today, uh, but Kendall Hinton, he's back. He's thirty six hundred. We we get a if if we got a dumpster dive, to play some of these guys. He's he's like the most viable cheap player I think out there this week. He probably is under Nico, but man, it just gets so gross so fast down there. I mean, I don't know they. Yeah, I guess, man. It's just this whole offense. Like, what about Jalen Virgil? Dude had a 66-yard touchdown, blown covers last week. I don't know. I would <laughs> I would stay away from that range. If, I need uh, that Russell Wilson prop. I need that. To, I need that to cover. I'm looking to, to get anybody I can on there. Uh, mm. All right. Tournaments at the wide receiver position. Anyone really standing out for you this week? I'm, I'm trying to find low-owned guys, maybe off the chalk running backs. There's, I don't know. There's not really a lot out here if you're trying to do something like that. So, what are your overall thoughts on maybe where, like even a guy like T Higgins, he's drawn 15% ownership. If you want to swerve off a of mix in, uh, are you going to play uh, Darnell Mooney and hope he gets the two touchdowns and not Cole Komet this week? Uh, your boy, Stefan Diggs, he's down there at like 8%, but again, you have to pay to do something like that. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's tough sledding out there. I think uh, Amari Cooper, the concern about his home and away splits for some reason, making him this cheap against a defense that doesn't have a number one corner capable of guarding him. So again, just I, football inherently is a small sample size compared to any other sport out there. So I do think, you know, in sports like baseball, some of that stuff can be a little more meaningful because we have it, a sample size of hundreds of games. But with Amari Cooper and his home away stuff, I just really think it's more random and more noise than anything. And I asked someone even smarter than myself about this, Mr. Kevin Cole. You can always hear talking uh, with myself on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Wednesday and Thursday. And I asked him straight up if there's any reason to think this was real. He had nothing for me. So I am going to go to the well with Amari Cooper. He's a boom-bust wide receiver. That's what we want to see in tournaments. Also think Chris Olave kind of cut from that same cloth where, yeah, he had a dud last week. But you know what? Multiple chances in that game to add about 50 yards to his total. Just couldn't quite come down with those 50-50 jump balls. And that was still just the second time since week two that he finished outside the position's top 24 wide receivers. So not expecting him to get the Jalen Ramsey shadow. DeAndre Hopkins is the only guy to get that treatment all season long at home against a Rams defense and team that, I don't know, I wouldn't exactly put a pass in to kind of throw the talent on the season sooner rather than later. I do like a lava here. And finally, mentioned that Bengals-Steelers game. I like the over. I do think that could be the sneaky shootout. Good game to get some exposure from. So 
Burrow, Boyd, bring it back with Deontay Johnson or George Pickens, maybe even Pat Fryermuth. I think there's a lot of options for that game, getting off of the running backs and more so attacking the passing game. Because again, Steelers secondary and defense in general hasn't quite been their usual juggernaut self. And I do think that Bengals team has really survived on defense thanks to facing that softer schedule. I do think if we're ever going to see Pickett take a little bit of a step forward, we're going to see big days from these uh, Steelers wide receivers and Fryermuth almost immediately. Yeah, I was going to mention Boyd to you. 6,500 or 60, let's see. Where's I got to keep scrolling on 6,500. Yep. Currently projected at 3% owned on DraftKings in large field tournaments uh, at Roto-Grinders. Oh. There, there it is. We'll fall prop up by using him in a, in a tournament. And even more contrarian, use him in a non-Joe uh, Burrow lineup. So you'll be having basically all to himself outside. There of we Burrow. go. Uh, all right, let's go to tight end. Uh, pretty weak position outside of Mark Andrews this week. And Mark Andrews is not in the cash conversation. I, I think it's 6,800. Some other weeks you could maybe make it work, but I don't think this week is one of them. Uh, definitely a tournament play should he suit up because he is going to be their offense through the air uh, against Carolina, but you just need to save some money. So a couple guys who are cheap, you've got uh, Dolchich, you've got Pitts, you've got Schultz, you've got Fryermuth. Higby is going to be a hard pass for me. You've got Foster Moreau. I think I'm going to jump off of his bandwagon this week against Denver. So if we're looking through these cheap plays, I think Dalton Schultz is definitely my favorite at 4,300 if you can afford him. Who's the like your favorite in that? Time? I'm going to throw him, Friermuth, Pitts, any one of these other guys right around that price range to you. Who, who would be your pick? Well, if you're desperate like me and you already got Allen and Diggs in the lineup, we're looking at Stone Cold Jack Stoll, baby, 2.5, replacing <laughs> Dallas Whatever Goddard. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, man. I looked up, uh, what was the player profiler comp for him? Oh, Anthony Fasano was their comp for the guy. So didn't love to see that. Would have liked to see the spark score a little bit higher, but you know what? It is what it is. If we're going to punt, let's just go all the way in and punt because I really think underneath Schultz, pretty much nobody is much of a sure thing here. So if you are going to go all the way down, because Jack Stoll, Jawan Johnson is slightly better. He's actually been outscoring Taysom Hill this year on a per game basis, despite all the hoopla paid towards him. So Jawan Johnson would be the only other cheap guy. Otherwise, I think you're spot on. Dalton Schultz, Pat Frymuth, and honestly, man, even Kyle Pitts, I think those are probably the three guys I'm going to be having in more lineups than not. Because just look at that total. I mean, we already said enough about like Paris Campbell and some of these other guys. Like Kyle Pitts essentially is still a wide receiver. He plays a little more in line this year. But if you just thought of him as the number, honestly, one wide receiver in a bad, inconsistent passing game, like this is it. This is the home matchup against a very bad Chicago Bears defense that we've seen big points go against them one of the higher game totals of the week and you know he is popping a little bit with the ownership but enough people still on Greg Dolchich and Moreau and wanting to spend down I do think Pitts Schultz and Fryermuth these are actually talented or at least volume heavy tight ends in uh, Dalton Schultz's case that again if you just viewed them more so in the lens of honestly just being like pass game options instead of specifically tight ends we'd be loving that price point compared to some of the wide receivers going in the same area uh, I'm going to throw out for a tournament play, David Njoku. Don't forget, before he was out, he was going absolutely bananas week in, week out. And if you, I mean, you get anybody that has involvement in a passing game at the tight end position, he is uh, looking very nice for, I don't know if I'd trust him in cat 3,900, but that still is a reasonable price. We've got him at one and a half percent. That'll creep up a little bit. Uh, he's Njoku himself said he was good to go. I'm expecting him to play and basically go back to his role because. Uh, who was a Harrison Bryant wasn't doing anything 
in in his place. So I'm looking for Najoku in a tournament. He scored last. Up. He scored last week, but now nah, he wasn't doing much consistently. Yeah, he wasn't doing much. So give me Najoku from a tournament of 3,900. If people are are looking for dart throws, I mean, how many of these guys have the ability to score? a touchdown, let alone two of them, like a, a guy like Nick Joku has shown. I don't know if he's done it this year, but he's certainly involved enough to be able to do something like that. And this is against the Bills. If they're going to have to go pass happy in the second half of a game indoors in Detroit, why not? <laughs> why not? Yeah, I got you. Uh, what do you got? Oh, tournaments. Yeah, I will say, again, I, I just think that Pitts, Schultz, and probably Fireman, those are the three spots for me. I don't, I don't think there's much – uh, much of a conversation or argument to be made about really any of these guys under 4K. Maybe Hayden Hurst. I guess Tyler Conklin had two touchdowns against his Patriots defense a couple of weeks ago. But I do think, you know, again, as someone that I'm doing my weekly, you know, season-long rankings with this and stuff, like there is such a uncertainty drop-off, really. And you can argue Kyle Pitts is in that group that we're really uncertain about. But Schultz, for me, I mean, just the fact that he's the only fourth-highest-priced tight end on this slate. And honestly, if you look at him across – everything include Kelsey include Everett include all those guys you're gonna have a hard time ranking them outside the top four period I do think he is probably the best play of the week here at tight end all right that's gonna do it for the week 11 show of the pro football focus show uh thanks to Ian for joining me as always uh everyone out there have a fun week uh have a good Thanksgiving that's next week we won't be coming to you until afterwards uh but be safe enjoy your family have a good time. Uh, click that like button on YouTube on the way out if you're watching this either live or on replay. We greatly appreciate it. Ian, thanks for joining me. Uh, he's Ian. I'm Britt, and we out you.